0: So listen, y'all, we are literally in week three of this sermon series that we're calling your people. Listen, if you haven't already listened to Pastor Martin's last two sermons called Don't Leave Me. And if you have not watched A.W. Don't Let Me Leave You. Thank you. If you have not watched those, you are doing yourself a disservice. If you walk out of this sermon series with broken relationships, who's responsible? You, because there's too much heat coming from up here for us to be walking around broken in our relationships, right? So anyway, we're starting week three, and I have the opportunity to teach to you today um, a sermon. I'm going to give you the title in a second. But how many of you are, like, really looking to become free in your relationships? Like, you know that the purpose that God has given you, the plan that you have in your life, the business, like, whatever it is, like, you know you, you want to have some kids, but you've got to go through some steps before you get there, right? Like, how many of you do you want to win in relationships? the coolest thing about winning in relationships is that the one way that God blesses you is that what does he do? He sends you people. But in the same way, the same way that the enemy distracts you from your calling, what does he send you? People. So both sides of this coin understand that your life is going to move at the speed of who you have around you. So today, what I'm hoping to do through the word of God, and I'm, listen, I was up at like four o'clock this morning. Like when you love something, you get in your bag. So if it's hard for you to get in your bag, you're probably not in your purpose. That's a story for another day. If you, if you have to be pumped up and motivated to do something, this, this ain't true. I ain't got to get pumped up to read the word of God. I wake up in my sleep like, God, what is it? What, 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 what is it? So that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. Is that cool? So when we look at um, relationships, um, how many of you guys know nursery rhymes? Right? You, you sing them like, uh, uh, Ring Around the Rosie, which is a terrible song. T- terrible, right? Or uh, Miss Mary Mack... Man, man, terrible. Like when you look at the roots of these songs that we teach our kids, like they're terrible, but sometimes they give them a context of how to look at relationships. All right, I'm gonna talk to this side of the room. Because me and Vanessa got married and good morning to you, my wife, good morning to my parents. Like, And there's a marriage that we had, but before I married her, there was a relationship I had with my parents. So when I met my wife, I was married for the second time. So the covering that was over me with my parents, I brought her underneath the covering that was under them, right? But there's this one nursery rhyme that we sing, and it sounds lit, and it goes a little bit something like this. It goes, Joshua and Vanessa sitting in a tree. Uh, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Yo, first comes love, Then uh, comes Mary. Uh, then comes the baby in a baby. Because verse 2 says, Joshua and Vanessa sitting in a tree. hey. Uh, first comes. And then comes, ha, huh? and then comes two big old head babies in the carriage. But the funny thing is that why do we sing these things? Because sometimes what we do mindlessly, mindlessly puts us in a trap. First comes love. Why would you first love somebody before you've loved yourself? Then comes marriage. You should be buried first to Christ. Then comes a baby. and Well, you first have a spiritual baby. That is your purpose that you give birth to. So it's really interesting. Y'all like that, right? Remix. That's the second, that's track number two on the album that's coming. <laughs> but we start to sing these songs mindlessly, and then we wonder why our children grow up the way they do. Right? You say, he's going to be a heartbreaker when he grows up. Why would you say that? She's going to have all the little boys running out to her. Ma'am, do you know that power in life is in, it's in your tongue? So I'm hoping that through the word of God, that we can start singing the right songs over us so that God can get the right people to us. Because it should say first comes the kingdom, then comes relationship. And then third, if you're given the spirit of being a husband or a wife, then she comes. Anyway, let's get into the word. Are you guys ready? All right, let's do it. So we're going to be jumping into the book of Judges. Now, all of my Bible scholars are probably shivering and shaking in their boots because the book of Judges is bloody, bloody. It's terrible, it's a bunch of sacrifices, a bunch of people lose their lives. Like there's just a bunch of violence that happens in this book. But the funny thing about the book of Judges is that all of it could have been bypassed. Like the book of Judges was written because the people of God didn't get the cycle of messing up, getting right, and getting back to God. Because when they got right back to God, what did they do? They went right back to their mess up. So the book of Judges is God trying to get us to understand That if you don't have the right people in your life in the beginning, the cycle of your life going down in a spiral is inevitable. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how much scripture you know. Doesn't matter how much you tell her, we just going to sit here with our clothes on. Doesn't matter how many times you tell her that. If you are in bad company, the word of God says that it will corrupt your good judgment. In the New King James, it also says that bad company will corrupt good character. So you can know God, know your Bible, know the word of God, but if you got the wrong people in your life, you can literally be detoured from the purpose that God has for you. So let's jump into Judges. Listen, I feel this thing so tough. The Holy Spirit is already here. So if you don't get it today, if you walk out dry, that means that you have oil repellent on. You see that? You see what I'm saying? So let's look at Judges. When we look at the Judges, Moses has died, right? Who's next after Moses? Joshua. Now, when we go to J- J- Judges, Joshua is on his deathbed. Joshua sitting on his deathbed has led the children of Israel into the promised land. So remember, fought the battle of Jericho, walls came down, and then God begins to use Joshua to tell the people, hey, there's, you see all this land? Because they, they're standing in what God has done for them. But Joshua about to die says there's so much more land out there that you're supposed to go out and get. So he calls them to keep their covenant with God by keeping the commandments of the word of God. Your relationship with Christ is so important that Joshua, when he's using his last dying breath, he doesn't tell them how to save money. He doesn't tell them how to make babies. He doesn't tell them how to build their houses. In his dying breath, Joshua says, don't forget about God. And then he croaks. Isn't that interesting that the last words that a man says is that your relationship with God is important? Then why do we start our foundation with, if I had this, I could start? And if I knew them, I could move forward. And if I was married to her, then I'd be worth something. Or if I had that, or if I lost 25 pounds or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. All of that stuff comes second to your relationship with Christ. This is not one of my points in my sermon, but I, I think this speaks to somebody that's watching online right now. The number one reason why nothing is working or why things are working, but they're not working as good as you saw it is in your head is because the foundation of your relationship isn't with the one who gave you the idea in the first place. Look at your neighbor and say, get it right. So listen to this. Joshua wants them to have a relationship with God. He says this, if they do this, if you follow God and make him first in your life, then they, somebody say they, they, "They, it will show them, everyone, they, them, it will show them how great and merciful, powerful God is. One of the reasons why people don't believe in the church is because we don't give them a reason to. The way in which you live your life proves that God is good. So when we go and we say, like, God will fix it, the people in your life don't understand that terminology. So when you become blessed, when your house is in order, when you are working with your marriage, when you are working with your kids, when your money is right, a lot of people think it's a prosperity uh, message to get more. But what it is, is it's a loud message to the people in your life that don't know him that God is good. Why? Because I'm the evidence. You get what I'm saying? So there are other areas that they are called to take over but only if God is with him. Joshua wants them to understand, we have taken over Jericho, but don't get it twisted. It wasn't because we walked around a building for seven days. The only reason why everything that we've done up until this point has worked because God was with us. So then this book tells about Israel's total failure to keep this promise. Joshua dies and the people of Israel lose their mind. They don't follow his direction. They don't listen or heed his voice instead of making relationship with God, they make relationship with man. Somebody say relationship with man. So these tribes, they split up, the Israelites split up into these tribes and then they become governed by these regional, like political leaders. Like you'll, you'll read about them. Like people like, we're going to talk about Samson today, right? But like there are different people like Martha and, 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 uh, uh, Mary and like all these different people. And they're not necessarily like judging over the people, but they are like multiple Joshuas that scatter out. Like instead of following one leader God, the people are like, we don't know what to do with ourselves, so give us a president. I mean, give us a a leader. Right? So this book is extremely very disturbing and violent because it tells a story of how when you don't have a relationship with God, you can't make a God relationship with man. So listen to this. So God gives Joshua a very clear direction for them to drive out all of the Canaanites. How many? Two of them. Seven of them. Everyone except for one. How many? Every single Canaanite drive them out of the land. The point was to avoid their moral corruption and the way in which they worshiped. So the Canaanites are not like the Israelites because they, uh, they, they made sacrifices like to idols and to false gods. And Joshua says, when you move into this space, you don't need to move next to these neighbors because it is going to be inevitable that when you move next to them, what is on them will come on you. So listen to what happens. God God has called us to be what? Holy. So if you are holy within yourself, but you have unholy things or people around you, you therefore forfeit your holiness. Listen to this. Israel moves into Canaan and then begins to adopt the beliefs of the people around them. So for the rest of Judges, you remember how I was talking about that cycle? The rest of Judges and the rest of the book of the Bible, how many of you guys know that there's a cycle in the word? You want to know what the cycle is? Because it happens in Judges. The person sins, they become oppressed, which means that once you sin, you give up your right to be holy, and God has to send somebody to rule over you. In this case, it's the Canaanites. Then what happens? Israel realizes this ain't it, so they repent. Repenting literally means that you've done something, and you're going to turn the opposite direction and go the opposite way, right? Then after they repent, they have deliverance, and then after their deliverance, there is a moment of peace. Somebody say a moment. A moment. Then after moment of peace, they fall right back into sin. So you sin. You feel bad, you repent, you get delivered, you find peace. But then once you find peace, you don't think that peace is for you, so then you have to find another reason to find God so you can walk back into sin. So then you go back into sin, then you're oppressed, then you, get, you repent again, and you deliver, and then you, you find peace. So when we start talking about in relationships the reason why you keep dating the same guy... I'll talk to the side of the room. The reason why you can't find a good business partner, the reason why every single person breaks your heart, the reason why you keep finding the same dumb person but with a different face, the same person but they're two inches taller. I'm talking to somebody this morning. The same person but their breath smells the same, like the same, how do I keep dating the same man? They all trash, it's not them. It's because you keep going through this perpetual cycle on the inside of you that has created this magnet for the person who is pulling you away from purpose. But remember what Joshua said to the people. He said, more importantly than your relationship with people. I feel the Holy Ghost on this thing. More important than your relationship with people. What does your walk look like with Christ? Because if you ain't got a life with Christ, every other thing isn't a relationship. You're fornicating and sleeping with somebody else when God's supposed to be your main relationship. Like you're cheat. God is so jealous. He's like, when you don't have a relationship with me and you try to find a business partner, I see it as if you've laid in bed with that person. So when you ask me to bless you, it's like you want me to give you a wedding ring because we've been in relationship for three years, but you've been in bed with dude across the street. So it's like, I love you, I appreciate you, but I can't bless you because you keep cheating on me with people that you want to bless you when I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I was the one that created your boo, but you like them more because they can make you physically feel good. So then we, begin to st- we think that we can pimp God. I'm going to go sleep with whoever, and then I'm going to give you this little bit of my worship. Can I talk? I'm going to worship alcohol. I'm going to worship all these things, and the word of God says, is your rela- who's your relationship with first? Look at your neighbor. Say, "Who are you booed up with?" So look at your neighbor, say, "Don't forfeit." Listen to this: when we don't know the plan or the will of God for our lives, we will sleep with, kiss sell our souls to, go into business with, have a baby with, and murder somebody that does not know us. Let me say it again. When we do not know the plan or the will of God for our life, we will do anything to fulfill our want. You want me to prove it to you? We eat what we, what we know is bad for us and then blame, our, blame the mirror. We fill our bodies with smoke and alcohol and say, I'm going to fix it by next Christmas. We, we, we wait until the last moment to finish the project or begin our work, and then you lie to your parents and say that the teacher is really hard on you. You say hurtful things to get your point across with no regard of the consequences, and then you say, like, I can't believe why she's so dirty. No, ma'am, your mouth is poison. There are always conscious decisions we make every day that are dragging us away from the purpose and our goals. So let's talk about this word forfeit. Can you say forfeit? How many of you guys have ever played sports? Okay, when you play sports and you lose and you gave your hardest, like you lost. When you're playing and you're getting beat and you wanna like, you know, preserve your energy, what do you do? You can quit. There's nothing wrong with quitting. Some of the smartest people learn how to quit. Like, why would I try to burn out my gas? This guy's 500 miles away from me. He can have the win. But there's this thing called forfeiting. And we've seen it multiple times, and it usually happens in the Olympics. What will happen is, is that somebody will smash a million me- records. Remember Marion Jones? Yeah. Remember Lance Armstrong? And we'll, we'll love these folks. And then later on, we'll find out that they had an unfair advantage, or they used means outside of the regulations to get to where they're going. Right. And then what happens is, is that no matter how good you were doing, now what we have to do is you have to forfeit your gold medals. Yeah. Yeah. You earn them, But because you went outside of the regulations that are dominating this sport, you get where I'm coming from? Now you got to give them back. So the definition of forfeit in the dictionary is this. It says to forfeit is to lose or be deprived of, do you have something taken away, property of a right or privilege as a penalty for wrongdoing. So because you did something wrong, I'm taking this away from you. I didn't like this definition, Jason. So like I wrote my own. You want to hear it? Y'all want to hear it? This is my definition of forfeit. You ready? To forfeit is making the conscious decision to trade in your God-given privilege through wrongdoing. God, I know what you said in your word, but I'm gonna do what I want so I can get what I want. So once I get what I want, I have what I want, but then God then begins to take things away from you because you cheated. So you can get married, I'll let you have that win, but I'm gonna take your peace, I'm gonna take your money, I'm gonna take the blessing, you got the W. You crossed the line. It's going to go down in the history books, and Jones, and you're the fastest woman on earth, but you're not going to have any proof. Give me the medal of peace. Give me the medal of your trust. So, like, you're married, but y'all don't trust each other. You're in business with one another, but now you find out that you're being cheated, right? You move in together, and you're not married, and now you're trying to figure out why is it not working? Because you won, but you're outside of the regulations that God has put in place for this race that we're running. I know I'm talking. Somebody say Teach. Okay. Now I got permission. Now I got permission. Here we go. Point number one, look at your neighbor and say, don't forfeit your instructions. instructions. We're going to look at this story of Samson. How many of you guys have ever heard the story? We talk about how strong and how amazing Samson is, but like we don't really understand where his strength comes from. So we're going to break that down today. Is that cool? So here we go. Judges 13, three through five, follow along. It's on the screens on the side. Here we go. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah, Manoah's wife. This is Samson's parents. And said, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. Verse number four says this. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to who? God. So when you have children, they're not yours. They're God's. They get dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The first point is don't forfeit your instructions. Listen to this. When you're born, your people that you come from, your family, usually have a plan for you. And if, if you have a good mother or a good father, if you have a good mentor, if you didn't have good parents, if you've got somebody in your life that cares about you, they will begin to follow a certain diet, physical regimen, sleeping pattern to ensure that your health is good. Good moms will, like not, will stop doing stuff because they know whatever I'm ingesting, this baby's gonna have. Right. That's good. Yeah. So Samson's mother puts her faith in the process, hoping that it will yield a desired result. In our lives, we forfeit the instructions when we decide to be in relationships that are outside of the regulations of the word of God. So when, you, when we act like we're married, but we're not married, We can't be upset when there's no blessing because blessing doesn't come outside of the regulations. So when you forfeit the instructions that are clear, you forfeit the peace that comes in your relationship. So one of the biggest problems with that that we have to understand is that this book that we call the Bible wasn't written yesterday. It wasn't written with any political policy. It wasn't written by any magistrate. It was written by God. So if we do not follow what this word says, we forfeit the blessing that God wants for us in relationship. Look at your neighbor. Say, don't forfeit the instruction. Forfeit the instruction. Number two, we're going we're to progress through this, this story, right? So then, number two, here we go. Say, don't forfeit your family. So long time afterwards, Samson's with his family and he grows up. And because Samson didn't know the instructions that his mother was given by the angel that came to talk to her, Samson starts to like live his life how he wants to. Long story short, Samson sees a woman when he's walking with his parents and he demands his parents to fetch her for him. So the instruction is, therefore shall a man leave and cleave to his wife. You don't leave and cleave to a girlfriend. So his parents beg and plead him to find someone from his people to marry. Listen, Judges 14.3. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines? Remember, God is sending Samson to destroy the people that are not like God. And Samson has decided to lay with the people that God wants to destroy. Sometimes you can be in relationship with people and try to figure out why is it not working. It's because you're literally sleeping with the enemy. I'm gonna talk to Asan. Maybe I can talk. You want to you rap real quick? So God, why can't you bless me? It's because you're sleeping with the people that I sent you to influence. Wow. Wow. Listen, but then listen to what Samson tells his parents. He says, get her for me with, a, with an exclamation. Go get her to his, number one, Samson's strong. I'm stronger than both of my parents, but I'm not crazy, right? Hey, Martin going, that, I don't even like saying that. You know, like why, if you feel comfortable talking to your parents like you grown, why are you in the house? Just be, there you go, parents. You can take that home. Soundbite. He says, get her for me because she looks good to me. Not He doesn't know if she's good for him. He doesn't know if she's supposed to be purpose for his beginning and his end. He doesn't know if she knows money. He doesn't know if she's going to like his mother or his father. He doesn't know if she's even good for him. He doesn't even know if she's sick. He doesn't know if she can have children, right? So he goes and says, go get her because she looks good. But how many of you guys know that what you think looks good to the eye, once you get into relationship with it, you're like, What? Are we, what is this? Who are you? You were cute when we were drinking at the bar, but this morning, I don't know who I woke up next to because this is not what I prayed for. What the heck are, who is this? You don't look like this on the gram. Who is, who are you, bro? Last night you were a lady. Who, bro. It looked good, but it wasn't it. I'm not doing part two. I'm going through, Listen. So Samson and this woman become engaged. It's interesting because in the word, it says Samson was engaged. In the Hebrew faith, your families come together. But since Samson went out of the will of God, he went to get married without his father's blessing. It says that because of what he did, his parents became deathly sick. It's not in the word. It's not in the New Living Testament, but when you read it like in the scrolls in the Hebrew faith, because Samson went and broke the covenant with his parents to marry somebody else, he also broke their heart. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, listen, one of the biggest issues that I had in our relationship, and we'll probably talk about it at some point in time, is that I myself can break the heart of my parents by going after something that looks good to me, but breaks the heart of the people that made me. It doesn't matter how much I burn in this area or how much looks like to me, I can literally kill my parents by making a decision outside of the will of God. Somebody say teach. Your mom, and I'm gonna be totally honest, your mom keeps getting sick and her knees keep going out. Man, my mom is sick. Is she sick or are you out of the will of God? Are you stressing her to die? Are you stressing him? My dad is a drunk. Well, maybe he's drinking because he tried to pray. And every time that God sent what he was praying for, you kept doing what you were doing. So now your pops is addicted to drugs and heroin and all these other things. Sometimes your parents are going crazy because they're crazy. Sometimes your parents and your mentors are going crazy because you have driven them to drink. You have driven them to sickness. You have driven them to be broken. So Samson goes and runs after something that his parents didn't send him after for. Oh, I'm teaching. I feel a chill, bro. I feel... So they become engaged, and at a celebration of their engagement, Samson makes a bet with the groomsmen via a riddle. Because Samson realizes once he got her, he doesn't want her. Young men, this is why they call us dogs, because we'll chase the car, then once the car stops and we get it, we don't know what to do with it. Yes, she's fine and she's beautiful, but if you are not ready to wife her, and if you cannot sustain the level of life that she's living at and above, leave her alone. Because you are a waste of her time. If she makes more money than you, it's not necessary that you need to make more, but you got to be able to teach her. If you cannot teach her, leave her alone. If you can't make her life better, leave her alone. If she's living a life that's better than yours, do not wife her because the minute that you wife her, the same mentality that's in her in singleness is going to be there in marriage and it's going to be on fire. So if she bought a condo by herself without you, she's going to be looking for you to buy her a house. I just can't believe she's so materialistic. You knew it before you married her. All the ladies out here like, I got money, and the man that's going to push me towards purpose has to match my magic. Step your game up. Stop running at the people that are out of your league and raise up, young man. Stop chasing her and chase the God on the inside of you. Level up. She's out of my league. That's good. Level up. She's not looking at me because you're not worth looking at. Level up get your degree get this under control get your mind together and then chase after you want to chase after her while you're chasing after god you're gonna god's gonna say hey look to your right and as you're running you're gonna be like oh shoot there she go chase god and you find your wife when you chase her you will find exactly what you're looking for i feel cold <laughs> I feel the Holy Spirit on this thing. Somebody's getting free and delivered. And if you're not free and delivered, you're going to have too much information today to keep walking in ignorance. Had to hit that alpha shimmy. hear me? The groomsmen figure out his riddle. And Samson makes a bet with him. If you can figure out my riddle, I'll give you 30 robes. They figure out his riddle. Samson doesn't have 30 robes, Pastor. So Samson has to go on a killing spree, and he goes and he kills 30 men and brings the robes back to the groomsmen and leaves the wedding. So the woman that he chased so hard to get now is broken at the altar, and Samson flees. This is why it's so frustrating in church, and I'm going to say it. We need to stop protecting our young men in church and start protecting our young ladies. Y'all don't say nothing. I'm going to talk to y'all. From now on, I'm going to assume that you broke her heart, sir, and I'm going to beat the dog tar out of you. Because in the word, it says that you are the leader. So if she's confused and if she starts acting crazy, who's responsible? You are, because before you met her, she was sweet and delicate and nice. And now that you've ran and messed over her and you probably slept with her and done all these other things, now she'll feel some type of way about coming to the church that gave her freedom because you messed it up. Not anymore. When you begin to court correctly, what happens is, is you look at somebody and you say, hey dad, what about her? I don't approach her. I say, what about, what about her? And then I go for something that I'm sent for. But to date somebody and then to say that she's crazy, then you want the church to protect you is not fair because the church is for both of you. So if we do it correctly, we won't have any broken hearts we'll have more marriages and more babies and more businesses and more houses being taken care of. You wanna know the best policy in the world? It's not coming from any of the presidents that are in the office. It comes from when people follow the kingdom mandate for family because if family's taken care of, every single neighborhood that's around this church will be full with families that know God, that know how to tithe, that know how to take care of their families. And then it becomes Omaha as a city for God because we followed the instructions. She's wifey material. How do you know, sir, you've never been married? Man, don't talk to her. She's crazy. If she's crazy, it's your fault, sir, because you chased her. Now her next relationship, she's going to go with it with your breath on her. And the next man that's supposed to be hers, I'm stuck. The next man that's supposed to be her husband is going to be like, yeah, you're broken. But she wasn't broken when she met you. So he leaves the young lady, and he forfeits his family. Samson says... I don't care about my people. I want her. And he throws away his family for the skirt. Third thing. Somebody say, "Don't don't forfeit your purity. So listen to this. Judges 1. Judges, I'm sorry. Judges 16, 1 through 3. One day Samson. These are all scenarios. Remember, we talk about how strong Samson is. And we teach it in our children's ministry. Samson was so strong. Samson was addicted. Samson had no control of the strongest part of his body the part that procreates and makes more people. Mm. So you can be big, strong, but if you have no power in your seed, you're the weakest man on earth. He looks good on the gram, but he's broken on the inside. Listen, one day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and understand, underline this, spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread. The man of God, remember, he's still being blessed by God, but he's doing what he wants to do. So you can think that you're advancing in your relationship with Christ and still be abandoned by the Holy Spirit. Word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited at night and they said that they were going to kill him. Samson, realizing that he's made a mistake, gets up out of a bed that he paid to get in. He tries to sneak out of something that he put his money on the line to do. We pay it with our lives in sin and then don't want to come and reconcile and tell somebody about what would happen. We think that just by praying and asking God to forgive us that it's enough. But sometimes you got to go to the person whose heart that you broke and you got to say, I was wrong. I should have never chased you. I apologize. I'm so sorry for what I did. Now I loose you from the covenant that we made, which is a soul tie. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate. This is how strong he was, like the gate. And the two posts next to it, Do was yoked up and lifted them up Bar and all, he put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across the Hebron. If you don't learn the lesson the first time, it will represent itself in a different fashion until you do. You keep dating the same guy, break up with him. That's great. But if you don't fix you, he's coming again to six feet feet seven inches rather than six feet two inches. I know. You got a bad habit with pornography, and you beat it one day, it's not going to show up. And then what's going to happen is you're going to find a relationship and start sleeping with her and then justify by At least I'm not watching porn. Can we talk? Until you figure out and beat the lesson that you're dealing with, it will represent <laughs> itself over and over and over until you beat it. Sin and addiction. So the question is, look at your neighbor say, what is the root? Because it's not the prostitute that Samson was sleeping with. It's not what he did at the wedding. The reason why these people keep coming around and around not because they're broken. It's because Samson is. The strongest man in the world is broken on the inside. He can fix anything except for his own soul. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fill your godly need with a personal want. We are incapable of filling the hole that is supposed to be filled with God. You can't fill it. You can't drink enough. You can't sleep with enough people. You can't smoke enough to fill the God-sized hole. The only thing that fills that hole, sweetheart, of your loneliness is a relationship with Christ. There are not enough men in the world to fill that hole in your heart. There's not enough alcohol in the world to fill that hole in your heart. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ first, it's funny. You'd think that the hole would would close and get smaller, but it just becomes bigger and bigger because our God consumes everything that he is inside of. Somebody tell me this is good, this is good, this is good. Point number four, somebody say, don't forfeit your secret. Remember, Samson, his secret is in his hair, right? His secret is in his hair. He's like, I'm strong, not because I'm strong, but because my mom in the first chapter made a promise with God, Vanessa. So I'm not strong in my own strength. I'm strong because my people are strong. So the title of this sermon is Your People. I be, I'm strong enough to go and get a woman to marry But how much stronger am I when I stay underneath the covering of my parents and grab her and bring her underneath? Now, it's five people in the same house rather than bump y'all, I'm going to do it by myself. Then you wonder why I'm in the house, we're married, we did everything the right way, but it's not working. It's because you're uncovered. Instead of moving down the street, why don't you guys move into the basement? Instead of moving into the basement, how about we build another house across the street? If you're in your, if you are doing your life without your family, you're doing it wrong. It's impossible. Yeah. If you feel awkward going to Thanksgiving or, or somebody's birthday or Christmas, I'm going to let you know you're wrong. Yeah. There's nothing in the word that constitutes that, unless what Pastor Martin said, if there's something that had like, taken you out, we don't want you to go into a situation that's like cancerous, right? But if it's because of something that you can fix, like forgiveness and reconciliation, you haven't been to Thanksgiving because you haven't said sorry? What? You miss Pookie's 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, eleven, twelve. Pookie, 25 years old, and you just don't like his mama? Really? So the child suffered having an auntie because you don't like your sister? That's tough. That, that's really tough. Who are you? I'm your auntie. Why weren't you around? Now you got to lie to the baby? Oh, I moved away. Knowing that you live down the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Someone's getting free today. I'm tired of playing with y'all. So here we go. Judges 16. If you're alive, clap once. Sometime later, Samson falls in love with a woman named Delilah. Remember, he's already married to another woman, so he has covenant. He left her at the altar, but in the Hebrew faith, the minute you propose, that, like, this is it. He falls in love with another woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. So let's jump down to verse 6. It says, so Delilah, Delilah said to Samson, Underline this, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up secretly. Some of the things that men we think is flirtatious and that we think is sexy is actually killing you. God, I can't resist her, bro. That sounds like heroin. Bro, she makes me feel so good. Uh, I never had conversation that made me feel so good. So it's not conversation. Y'all doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing. you be giving yourself away. And, and those older men that I used to talk to, when I used to talk to Kylan, and he'd be like, so what you're trying to tell me? Like, no, dog, that's not happening. He's like, no, everything about you changed. Yeah. It's like when your old auntie and your old granny, when you know your fast cousin walk in the house, let's talk about it. Yeah. When she walk in and she walk in and she's like, hey, auntie. And they're like, hmm. <laughs> oh, auntie, you so crazy. So, you know, you walk a little bit different, sis. Oh my God, auntie, whatever. And they'd be like, mm. It's because that once you break a covenant with God, everybody knows. And it's not just physically. God told you, don't go into this business with this person. Then you end up bankrupt. God, what happened? I I told you. Verse number seven. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings, he's lying to her, that have not been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So what she does is she goes and calls some of the Philistines because Delilah was sent into Samson's life to kill him. Samson falls in love with a woman that is actually out here for his life. Nothing that I'm doing is working, man, I'm failing all my classes. What's the newest thing in your life? Oh, that's the newest contact in your phone. Sarah. Well, remember before you met Sarah, you were on fire for God. You loved going to class. Man, you were going crazy in worship. Now your worship is gone. What's the common denominator? Your new relationship. It's getting quiet in here, Pastor No. So Samson lies to her two times. She asks, what makes you so strong? And he lies to her, lies to her twice. Afterward, Delilah said to him, You're being, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can be tied up sec- uh, securely. Samson's about to forfeit his secret and his promise with God for a woman who's out to kill him. If you are in a relationship with anything or anyone and it causes you to give up your secret sauce of what makes you great. If what you used to do, it used to work, you used to be able to study and get the grades, right? You used to be able to like eat right and your body would do what it wanted to do. You used to be able to like sleep and get rest and now you don't get rest and now your body doesn't do what you want it to do. It's not always because what you're eating or what you're, what you're in isn't working. Sometimes it's because who you're hooked up to is literally blocking the benefits of the practice. So Samson is about to give up his secret. Listen to this. Somebody say, don't forfeit your God. Don't forfeit your God. Judges 16, 15 through 22. Is this good? Amen. Am I on a good track? Listen to this. Then Delilah pouted. This is so interesting to me. We raise strong boys that grow up into great men. Then when we get into relationships, we lose all of it because she's cute. She pouts enough with Samson that Samson is ready to give her the secret of how strong he is. He's ready to forfeit the blessing and the promise of God. To be in relationship with somebody whose plan is to kill him. We can fight so hard for the relationships that we see because we're in love with them. That's why pastor says it all the time. You need to have your people around you because they don't love her. You need some homies in your group that don't find her fine and attractive so they can tell you when you messing up. You need some people in your group, girlfriend, that don't care about his cologne and that think he's musty and that think that he needs a little bit more of of, of oil and that think that, man, he's a little bit too pretty. You mean his nails are done all the time? You've never seen him with bad breath? His hairline is clean all the time? Sis, you might need to check who you're marrying. Because we can give up the secret sauce that makes us kingdom. We can give up the secret stamp that God has given us for a relationship. And then we ask God to bless us. But how many of you guys know once God takes his blessing off of something, he's not gonna promise you anything else. Listen to this. She what? Pouted. You know what I think it sounded like? Oh my God, why can't you just tell me your secret so I can kill you? But he doesn't hear that. He sees her hips and her chest and how she looks and he becomes mesmerized to give the secret of God to a woman that wants to kill him. Then Delilah pouted and underlined this, she says, "'How can you tell me you love me "'when you don't share your secrets with me?' This is why it's so important that you only share your secrets with your wife, not your fiance or your girlfriend, because up until the time that you say, "'I do' and consummate the marriage,' she has freedom in the Hebrew faith to leave. It says that once you were about to marry a woman in the Hebrew faith, if you could not provide to her father twice as many cattle as he had on his hill, and the day that you got married, if you had one sheep or one cow short, she could walk away. So Samson is now telling the secrets to a girlfriend and her fiance that he should be only telling to his wife. But then she says, if you love me, first comes love, then comes marriage. Love has nothing to do with relationship." But we forfeit the things of God because we use this four letter word that's actually a gunshot wound to the head. I love her. You're dead then. I do a lot of, there are a lot of things that I love to do, but I don't do them because they're bad for me. I can eat 5,000, I'm gonna eat 5,000 calories today. I eat clean Monday through Sunday. Tell me if I'm I'm wrong. Callie, am I right or am I wrong? 5,000 calories, I'll eat them today. But if I ate 5,000 calories every single day, even though I love it, is it good for me? I would be 600 pounds of a clogged artery. (laughs) so how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now. Remember, because he he asked him three times, what's your secret, what's your secret, what's your secret? And he lies and he lies and he lies. You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Understand this, verse 16. She tormented him. She went from pouting. The thing that he thought was blessing him now has become his biggest nightmare. We've been married, I'm dating her, everything is good, but now you can't stand her. She's not crazy, sir. You have just found a wife, but you don't have the ring yet. So she, when you start treating her like a wife, regardless if she has a ring, she's going to expect that you be a husband. So sometimes we can get into relationships, sometimes we can go into business, sometimes we can be in the wrong major because now we've made a commitment to something that is way over out of our league. You want to, I want to be a doctor. Do you want to be a doctor or are you really forfeiting the purpose of God on your life to make your parents happy? Do you really want to be an engineer? No, I love drawing. Then why are you going to school to be an engineer? Rather than be an engineer, get a business degree. Because at some point in time, when you're doing the I'm helping them out, Kylan, like being an artist isn't going to do it. But what if you created like a a, a pen that never ran out of ink or, or, or a pen that worked on water? Now you're able to fuel your dream so that you can build your life so when you find your wife, you already have a life for her to come into. The most attractive thing that you can do, young man, for a woman to make you the sexiest thing on earth is have a life that she can build a part of. Have something going on when you meet her, and I promise you. Oh, he got something going on. He's different. Yeah, because I've been working on me before I was expecting you. He different. Ooh, girl. (laughs) So she tormented him. I got you. So she tormented him with her, nagging him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally. Somebody say finally. Samson shared his secret with her because she was tormenting him. So he's about to give up what makes him great because she's annoying. But if he would have never hooked up with her in the first place, he would have never been annoyed. Sometimes we try to fix a problem that should have never happened. They told you to stay away from him. They told you don't take the job. They told you don't buy that car. But I like it, it has bells and whistles. There's a computer in it. It's 25 grand. You got 25 grand in the bank. Why would you use all your bread to buy a car that looks good that people are gonna like one day and then afterwards you're gonna have to have the headache of fixing it? Yeah. Yeah. Buy a piece of junk, put all your bread in the bank, and when that breaks down, go buy a Tesla for you and your whole family. Like what, like, like be better, sir? Somebody say be better. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. He says, my hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Samson was dedicated, but he never dedicated his heart. When Samson was born in the Hebrew faith, you circumcise your child. You circumcise your child before God to say, God, this is my son. I'm giving him back to you. So his mother dedicated him, but he never made the decision. This is why in church it's so important, parents, that you start to lead your children in the way so that they can make the decision for themselves. The friction that you were having with your child and why they don't come to church is because it's not their God yet. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I promise you, if one of his sons or his daughters was like, I ain't with it, he would either have killed them or kicked them out. So you can have people in your house that don't believe in the same God that you do but we call them family. So parents, it's your job to train up your child in the ways of God so that when it comes time for them to make the decision, they can go off of what they know. But the church is supplemental to your parenting. AWC Kids is supplemental to what you should be doing Monday through Saturday. You can't expect for your, you cannot expect for your child to know God based off of one Sunday for an hour and a half. Son, this is why we pray. This is why we serve, this is why we tithe, this is why daddy married mom and you are our only children. Or this is what happened when daddy didn't follow the covenant of God, you have your other brother and your other sister over here. But because we follow what God said, now our families can come together. And I know I didn't have them, but now they're your brother and your sister. Son, this is how we look at money. Some, this is the way, like when we get sick, we don't go to the doctors because prayer is our first choice, not our last resort. Like we don't go to the hospital when we're sick, we lay our hands on ourselves and say, God, what's going on on the inside? this ain't it. So you said in your word that if I put my hand on myself and start rubbing my tummy counterclockwise, and if I call in your name and there's two or three of us here in the same room, you're supposed to show up. So it becomes this thing where your children are called to the God that was displayed in the home. If there's no God displayed in the house, you can't be upset when they're out there doing what they want to do because the God that you serve is not the God that they've chosen. I'm teaching. He doesn't love God. He doesn't know him because you never invited him into your kitchen for dinner he doesn't know how to pray. Yeah. I talk to people that are in their thirties that don't know how to pray in front of people, but can sing Meg the stallion bar for bar. Can you pray? Oh God, we just want you. Whoa. No wonder you don't want to tithe. No wonder you don't want to serve. No wonder you just see me as Joshua, not as like a pastor that's trying to help you live your life. No wonder you don't respect Pastor Martin because your parent, you don't even respect your dad. That makes sense. No wonder you could fix your mouth to say Linnell. Oh, because you didn't have a mom. I get it now. I get it. I get it. That makes sense. If we started looking at people like they were crazy rather than if they were deficient and walked with them in discipleship, we would have a lot more people in church. Hey, sir, come here. Leave her alone. We're dating. Not anymore. Y'all done. You need to come and meet with me at Saturday. We're gonna go to Top Golf every Saturday from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. and I'm gonna teach you how to be a man. If we we cannot in the church be upset with how people are progressing and not try to help them. Samson leaves the covering of his parents, and now he gives up his secret. Is this good? Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. He says, My mom dedicated me. So he's the God of my mother, but he's not my God. Anything that's happened to me, pastor, is just because God loves me, not because I'm good. Finally, Samson shared a secret. Then Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off his seven locks of his hair in the way she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before, because remember she said she wrapped him up in the stuff that he lied about and he broke it. But this time he's not able to break it. Samson ends up getting captured. They end up gouging out his eyes and they end up, he becomes bound in chains. I want to talk to you just for a little second. I know I'm over time, but pastor, can I have two more minutes, please? Okay, good. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Let's talk about soul ties for a second. Soul ties are so strong that you don't even have to sleep with him or her for it to be connected. This is the funny thing. So I was walking around for about five, seven years in this romantic, non-physical. Never slept with her, never touched her, right? Um, Not even hold her hand in in this soul tie for five to seven years. And that time I met my wife at the uh, my wife now, but my friend at the time because me and Vanessa were together. We've been together. We were together for eight years. The first two years, we were best friends. That's the problem. We fall in love with people that we don't find friendly. Wow. So I married my best friend. That happens to be the most romantic, physically attractive thing in my life. But I like her. Right. That's it. Right. I don't like her. Then would it? Anyway, so I was chasing this woman. And what I found out was that I wasn't so much in love with her, but I was in love with this woman that I had married in my head. So I built this woman that was perfect in my head. And the minute I saw her anywhere in the mall, at the grocery store, at children's church camp, I'm gonna be totally honest. You can fall in love with somebody because you already see her in your head. Never, never was physical with her, but I wanna talk to you about what's so important, young, young men, why it's important who you lay your head on. It's important where you lay your head. Because Samson doesn't do any of the physical stuff that he did in the chapters before. All he did was lay his head in her lap. Sometimes the place where you are the most comfortable is the place where you become bound. Because your guard is down. Samson is the strongest man on earth. But he couldn't break the ties of a woman. I want to share with you something. The blessing of God will not override the power of your biology. There is no there's not enough blood that God shed on Calvary to stop your lust. In the same way that you forfeit and you make a decision to forfeit, you make a decision to do what you did last night at 9:30. Hey mom, I'm going to the movies. No you're not. You know it. Because if you'll lie, you'll steal, and if you'll steal, you'll kill. And if you'll kill, you will throw anything under the bus because now your moral is gone. So it's really difficult for us to get right with God if our soul is first tied to another person that we made a commitment to. Samson can't be saved by God in that moment because his head is in the lap of the person who is trying to murder him. This is why here at AWC, we make it so important that when you start to get married, the engagement means nothing. We celebrate marriages. Because uh, engagement is just seven hundred to two thousand dollars that you spend on a ring to flaunt on the gram, but she's not your wife, not yet. You still have a choice to make. But then what happens is that we walk down the aisle, we get married, we say I do, and we start to act like we're dating in the marriage, because dating tells you, you know what? I'm not with you anymore. I'm gone. I'm gonna go knock down about four or five people. Then I'm gonna find myself run back and be like, oh my god, I, that's not marry me. No, 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 no. Like you can't do that once you're married. The word of God says, therefore shall a man leave and cleave to his wife. But if you don't have a wife in Genesis, the first thing that Adam cleaved to was his purpose. The first thing that Adam cleaved to was God. It says that he walked with God in the cool of the day. But the word also says that how may men walk together unless they agree. So we can be married with people that we don't agree with. And it's simple stuff. Right, Vanessa? She loves to recycle. And it took me two and a half weeks to realize this is a big deal. It wasn't a big deal to me. But how many of you guys know that there are people that, like Pastor Martin said last Wednesday, that are sleeping in bed with their booties not touching over recycling? She said that. Mom said that. Right. So, and uh, clean that up in post-edit. Post if you're watching this on Tuesday, I didn't say what I just said. It was... Okay. <laughs> there are people that are... Their marriage is in shambles because Christmas is coming up and she wants to decorate and he doesn't. Simple stuff, but they can't agree on anything. But we'll walk in relationship, not agreeing. Fly all past all the red the red the red flags. People giving us prophecy. I'm not saying she's not it, but you got some work to do, young man. I'm not saying she's he's not it, but you got some work to do, young woman. Fly past all of the red flags. Get to the altar and want a pastor to bless something that we aren't even in agreement yet. Then we get married, and we question why are my kids messing up? Because your children. We're made in a relationship where there was no covenant. Our money ain't doing what it's supposed to be. You can't agree on how much you want to save. You started the marriage without a budget. How can you expect to stack your bread if you got a hole in your bag? Samson lays his head in the lap of a woman who was not supposed to be his wife because she looked good to him and it felt good in the moment. The funny thing about the kingdom is that it's not a moment, it's a lifetime. It should feel good continuously. Because if you start to chase this, I feel the presence of God. Somebody's becoming free right now. If you begin to chase the moment, the sex is only going to feel good for a while because you're chasing a feeling of the first one. But when you make the decision to be with one person and you make the decision, we're gonna wait up until this point. Because you can make that decision even if you've already given it up. But you know, we're not doing this because I understand a principle now, and I'm not going to forfeit my purity for this relationship because you're cute. Then what happens is that God puts his hand on it, and he blesses your agreement. So we shouldn't be talking about first comes love, then comes marriage. We should be talking about first, you got to agree that y'all want to do this. Do you want to do this? And I was wrong. Because in this soul tie relationship, dad asked me a question. He says, Joshua, this isn't what you want. And I snapped in him. This, this is what I want. She's cute, blah, 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 blah. And my father, who is very much so, he's a better man than I will. I'm going to be much better than he is, but I'll never be greater. He's just really awesome. Pastor Martin said, <laughs> and I remember this verbatim, because I was about to make a decision to chase the woman I had a soul tie with, and I was going to miss out on her. My dad said, look, You can make life happen with anybody. You're going to work either way. The question is, is do you want to work to get to the finish? Do you want to work to get to the starting line? Or do you want to work from the starting line? Choose today what you want to do. It's going to be the same amount of work, but you're going to start in the parking lot. And some people are going to start at the finish line. So you get upset with people like, man, it just seems like they love their marriage. No, they went through the process. So what should we do if we're living together? Move out. Like, it's simple. It says it in the word. What should we do if our money's together? Go get a new car from Metro Credit Union. What should I do if we're still sleeping together? Stop. Maybe. I don't know. She keeps lying to me. You told her what it was before you guys started to get together. I told you, I go to church on Sunday. Maybe, why does she keep asking you if you want to go get wings at 930? Like, what, what, what do you, Pastor, like, I told you, I go to church on Sunday. This, this is what I do. Like, this is not something I go, like, I'm at church. I serve. I'm on time. I tithe. Like, but every time I'm with you, you keep asking me, what's Super Bowl Sunday? So now what you're doing is you're forfeiting the presence of God for the moment of pleasure. Some of you today are going to have the courage to walk away from the relationship today. You've been looking in the mirror for the past three, four weeks, and you know she ain't it. You know. He knows. I knew. I was chasing after a woman, and I would have missed out. Whoa, okay, nope. mm -mm. I would have missed out on the best thing that ever happened to me because I was willing to give up the secret of my hair to a woman that was trying to kill me rather than the woman that was waiting for me. But I didn't see her. My parents did. My dad finally said, you see her? Yeah, I do. Where was she at? She'd been here the whole time. And then Pastor Martin said this. He says, now you can go. I broke the soul tie with the woman that was breaking my heart because I wanted her so bad. So like when I say bad, How bad, like bad. I want it, like this is my heart. And it was holy, it wasn't. Soul ties don't have to be dirty and grimy. Soul ties can be manifested with God and in your desire. But if it's out of the timing of God, it's not it. Look at your neighbor, say it's not it. Look at your neighbor, say it's not it. It's not it, it's not it. The person online, it's not it. It's not it, it's not it, it's not it. it." Because the longer you stay with that person, you don't just forfeit your will, you forfeit the purpose of God for them too. I had to think about it this way. Somebody's getting free today. I refuse. I refuse for any person in this room. You need victory and freedom right now. The moments that I was holding her hand and walking with her, in my head I was like, this isn't it. Why am I with her? I can't stand. I'm not happy. And the entire time there was a young man somewhere else in Omaha or in Cincinnati or in Arizona praying, God, just release my wife. But God can't release the wife that he wants because my hand is wrapped around her. So then it becomes this thing. God, am I keeping the best thing that another man wants away from him? Because I won't consider it being humble and saying, hey, this needs to end. I forfeited enough. I don't even know what series of my church is in. And I used to be the first one at the door. You won't even come to church with me. Why am I considering you as my wife? I told you this was important to me and now it's not important to you. It shouldn't be what's important to me becomes important to you. What should be important to me should be important to us. I go to church because he goes to church. She's not it. They won't tell you. A lot of people are, I'm not gonna tell them. She's not it, sir. I really think that we should like not be together. We can't be physical anymore. Oh, so you're not gonna sleep with me? She's not it. She's not it. Man, if you love me, man, you just give me the skins, dog. Man, ain't no big deal, right? Man, we just fooling around. ma'am. It's not it. Because if he loved you, he would leave you on red. There were moments when we were recording, we'd be hanging out with a group of friends. Enoch as my witness. Chris as my witness. We'd be hanging out. And I'd be like, yeah, y'all, I got to go. <laughs> and I would just leave. And Vanessa would come back to the movies. Where did he go? And Enoch would vouch for me. But he had to go. He was having a moment. He had to go. Because if you like someone, you begin to lust after them, but it's holy because you can't get enough of the person that God has called you to be. So here we go, you ready? Samson is captured, his eyes are gouged out. So what do we do? Look at your neighbor and say, what do we do? I'm gonna give you five questions that you need to ask yourself in your relationships. And it's not just with people, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. It's um, It's not just for your relationships physically, it's for anything. It could be a substance. It could be you like your free time. Young men, the Xbox and the PlayStation comes out during Christmas, not because it's really great. Sometimes it's to pull you out of having family time with your people. You mean you spend seven hours on Apex and you forgot it was your mom's birthday? Now you're rushing to Target to go get her a gift card to Target, she doesn't even like Target. She would much rather you make her breakfast. But the new Xbox, I got a deal on it. Would if you spend that $300 on some, some books for next semester? Five questions. Look at your neighbor and say, what do we do? These are the five questions. AWC Online, I want you to tap in. Every single person that is courting, that is dating, that is in a relationship, that's married. Because when you're married, you can't make, you, these questions don't rule to your wife, right? Or your husband. <laughs> these are the five questions. You ready? Five questions are these. Does this push me closer to Christ? First question. If what you are dealing with pulls you away from God, it's not it, run. What did I say? Run. Second question is, does this push me closer to my purpose? If what God has told you to do, you are no longer interested in it, but you got a new relationship, be done. Because you're going to be 45, 50 years old, married to the wrong person, and still figuring, feeling like you haven't started life yet. Point number three, does this push me closer to my people? If the relationship with him or her, or the relationship with your computer makes you feel awkward with your family. It's not it. Marriage is not done well if you can't stand the side of your people when you're with her. Relationship is not done well if you're willing to get some more bread for Christmas rather than being open presents with your family. I'm gonna make $15 an hour and overtime. That's worth. Your son is three. He's gonna remember this one. Year one and two, they, it's no big deal. They're like drilling, don't know what's going on. But three I mean, all those matter, but like at three, he's going to know daddy wasn't here. And daddy forfeited time with me for $15 an hour. Question number four, does this push me closer to my identity? And I'm not talking about your identity and like your person, but I'm talking about your identity in the non-negotiables that make you who you are. If you, have an, if you have negotiables that I go to church and they're pushing you away from it, cut it. If you made a decision, I'm not sleeping with you before marriage and she keep pushing you, cut it. If you're in a business and God has told you, hold your money and they keep wanting to invest, you gotta follow the paperwork. But then once you go through that so you don't get lower your fees, you feel me? Look, Cut it. Your identity is what makes you who you are. And if you start to forfeit, what will happen is the DNA that makes you you will morph into the other person. Then you'll look in the mirror and be like, who are you? I wasn't willing to give up Chinese food for my marriage. Think about it, like like people think that that's small, but like I haven't had sesame chicken and we've been together for 15 years. Chopsticks right over there, that's a shame. Question number five, question number five. And this is the part that I wanna talk about. This is the altar call for all of you that are looking for it. Does this push me closer to my purity? If what you're dealing with Young men, if it's a computer screen, if it's your phone, because what our parents had to work for, we have at our fingertips. And I won't say the word, but it's a woman or anything that won't say no, because you can find what you want. Can we talk? If it's alcohol, if it's marijuana, well, you know, it's legal. Yeah, but is it right? You're always high when you're around your people, like always. Every time your people see you, you're gone. Drunk, high. You're a grown man with three boys and you know more about LeBron than you know about how your son is doing in English. You're worried about fantasy football, sir. Your son, is, he's, he's dying in his room, sir. He's becoming addicted to the thing that you never killed because you were too worried about your stats going up because Brady made another, like, like no, sir. Your 17 year old is, is fighting for his life in secrecy in his room. In your marriage, is playing ball with the boys, pulling you away from intimate time, sitting with your wife. I don't know anything about that, right? I'm just newly married, right? So this is just revelation. Take it, chew, you know, chew, up, chew on the meat, about the bones. When we begin to forfeit what God has for us, for the things that we want, we don't just hurt ourselves, we hurt our people. We hurt the people that are around us. But there's somebody in the room today and somebody on online right now that you are beginning to get the courage and the boldness to send that text message. And you know what the text message is going to say? It's over.